It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and it's a day after my birthday, so did I have a birthday hangover? Nah, I didn't do anything. I'm too old for that. 42, uh, had a nice, just hanging out at home with the fam. But as we jump into this show today, uh, we're going we're gonna to dive heavy um, into some football talk. Why? Because that's what the world's talking about. Um, I didn't start this, but I feel like now it's becoming a trend. I don't know if there's an algorithm that finds you. But as I bring Sam Ekstrom in, and Sam's going to join the show, my producer. For those who haven't seen it, I tweeted out a video. Now, Kyle Brandt says that Kirk Cousins can possibly be the NFL MVP. Not my words, his. So if you have a problem, go tweet to Kyle Brandt. Uh, Shannon Sharp, that was not me, bro. That was the video I put out there. But Dark Horse MVP, I like that. Uh, we're going to, we're, 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 of course, going to get into the daily three. And today we have a new game. We have no guests today, so we have a new game. Um, so when you go back and you podcast this or you're watching it, make sure you watch it all because we have a new game today. Keep them or cut them. It's time to start formulating this 53-man roster. A little bit early, but it's never too early to pick a team that's going to be your 2022-2023 Minnesota Vikings. But uh, one of the questions you posed to me, and then I'll, I'll kick it over to you, what rookie or what player can step onto a stage and become, uh, quote-unquote, a pro bowler? I don't really know if there is one. That's my problem when I look at so many new guys. Um, could go cornerback with Andrew Booth Jr. Um, you, you know, you could go a number of different directions. You could say seen at safety, but then you have Harrison Smith. And we know when it comes to certain positions like that, it's a popularity contest. Uh, just because you're a rookie, you have a great season, you have to be popular as well. Justin Jefferson was popular. Yes, he had a great season. He gritty that thing out, but he was popular. That's why he got it on and popping and got to go to the Pro Bowl. Um, I I think this could be a year for Adam Thielen to get back in the hierarchy of receivers and end up back in the Pro Bowl. I think this is a resurgence year for Adam Thielen when you look at Kirk Cousins and the number of passes he's going to have in this offense. I, I'm going a different route. I think Adam Thielen, because so many people were saying, you know, is he done, the injury, blah, blah, like. I think this is a resurgence year for him. I think this is a year where you can see two Vikings receivers like Chris Carter and Randy Moss ended up in the Pro Bowl, and that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I, I think that Thielen is almost at the point where he's he might be year to year, where if he doesn't have a good year, we're going to wonder about his status every offseason because he he is worth a lot of money, and if he's not effective, then this team probably would want to either get that contract down or move on. So it's weird to say for sort of a Vikings stalwart in Thielen, local guy, but he is kind of in a prove-it year, and he does have to have a resurgence, I think, to keep making the same amount of money. Now, if we're looking for someone to break out for the first time, we haven't seen it yet, and we're waiting for it. I think that Irv Smith is by far the number one candidate. I mean, I think that he's sitting on a big year. It might have been last year had he not been hurt. And I think this year he's primed for it as one of the only real 
pass catching threats at tight end for this team. They didn't add a whole lot of competition for him at wide receiver. I mean, I think they're going to throw the ball more. Uh, I think that he's a, a gigantic breakout candidate. I think about Christian Derisaw on that offensive line. I think he showed the tools to be an excellent left tackle last year. And I think that he and O'Neal could be bookends for the next five, six, seven years. Um, if Derisaw turns into the player, I think he's going to. Um, defensively, what about Cam Dantzler, Ron? Is Cam Dantzler sitting on a big year? Because we've seen flashes where he'll go four games, five games, and he'll be one of the best defensive players on the team. Um, but then we'll see injuries. We'll see late-game breakdowns, just lack of consistency, mental mistakes. Does it all come together for him in year three? I think he could be a sneaky defensive player. And again, he's going to have to compete with a Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth Jr., uh, will that sharpen his game to have to compete in training camp, win that job, and uh, and put him on maybe a big year? Yeah, and, and so this is what I'd say about Cam Dantzler. Again, at cornerback, it's it's a cop popularity contest. Uh, big year for him. He'd have to have a – and Tony Dungy always jokes about this with my dad. Tony Dungy had more interceptions one year than my dad did when they were the Steelers, and I think that was the 79 Super Bowl year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, or pos uh, I don't know if it was my dad's rookie year. I think it was the 79 Super Bowl year or 78. But one of those two, Tony Dungy always tells that story uh, when he does his Arise with the Guys thing about that people don't realize um, – how he led the team in interceptions. When you look at Mel Blunt, Donnie Shell, uh, my dad, uh, uh, Wagner, and then you have Tony Dungy. And so you would just assume like, yeah, it, it wasn't Tony Dungy. When you look at all those, you know, Hall of Fame names, um, but it was Tony Dungy that year at safety came in in, in, in big spots and, and made big plays. But this is what I'll say about Irv Smith. I could see him having a resurgent or a breakout year. I, I think with the only tight end, uh, in this passing game, there's going to be a lot of under routes, a lot of deep over routes, uh, and a lot of like sit routes where the tight end sits in the middle and you send one guy deep and one guy crosses his face because uh, we saw that with OBJ and the Rams and their tight end kind of similar. Uh, it's going to be the quarterback's choice, you know, dealer's choice. But this is the tight ends I look at. The problem, again, going back to this is a popularity contest with Pro Bowl. When you say that we're Pro Bowl, you got Darren Waller with the Vegas Raiders. Uh, you got George Kittle, and these are all NFC NFC tight ends because AFC doesn't matter. Dalton Schultz, uh, Dallas Goddard, uh, Kyle Pitts with Atlanta, uh, Zach Ertz with Arizona. Uh, um, so, you know, and then you even got TJ Hawkinson in Detroit. Yeah. So with the NFC, it's loaded. I mean, you. I mean, I didn't even say Noah Fant with Seattle, but they don't really have a quarterback. So, uh, you know, um, that that's going to be the question mark. Tyler Higby, Higby with the Rams. I don't think he did anything. Um, and this is just kind of that. That's that list. That's the projected fantasy guys for tight ends for 2022. Travis Kelsey, of course, leads the way. Mark Andrews, but those are two AFC guys. Um, those are going to be your top two, uh, right? Projected right now as far as AFC tight ends and then NFC tight ends the top two are Darren Waller and George Kittle I think those are the odds on favorites of going to the Pro Bowl as well like that's again those are names you know those are guys that get force fed the ball uh but Darren Waller is an interesting one because now they have Devontae Adams so how does that look now for Derek Carr Darren Waller we know was his outlet that was his you know that was his guy he was coming to uh he you know I had him one year in fantasy I loved it he gave me you know he was getting 10 11 catches some games uh late in games he stays in the game and he's going to continue to get passes whether that's patting the stats or not who cares um but that's what I'd say I I go back to 
out of that group, Irv Smith Jr., Dar uh, Christian Darisaw, and uh, Cam Dancer. I'm going to go Darisaw in that group because as far as offensive tackles go, this is the key for Darisaw. If Dalvin Cook has a huge year on the ground and in the air, if Kirk Cousins has a big year passing, stays clean, blind size protected, and then Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen also uh, benefit from the blocking of Darisaw, then I could see Darisaw becoming that because then people are going to start to grade out this, this offensive line. Uh, you know, Brian O'Neill on the other side, I think is going to be extremely solid. Normally the left tackle gets all the praise. Uh, and then you look at the left tackles now. Uh, a lot of these guys, you know, the, the Trent from uh, the 49ers, a lot of these Trent guys are getting Williams. old. Yeah, a lot mm -hmm. of these guys are getting old now. So so now it is time for a new young guy. And I think I think you 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 might have hit that when Christian Darisaw could be the guy. Irv is going to have a tough uphill battle with tight ends as far as competing against. Uh, but, no, I think Darisaw, the way this offense is, is loaded, if he does well and they do well, his name could be up in there. Mm-hmm. But coming up next on the Ron Johnson Show, we're, we're going to debut a new, new segment. We're going to cut him. Keep them, sit them. Like which 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 guy's gonna make the team? Which guy's gonna be on the street looking for a new home? Uh, then that's up next on the Ron Johnson show. And then of course in, in in segment three, we're gonna have the daily three. Stick around for that. If you enjoy the Ron Johnson show, you'll enjoy our other daily show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's Superior Sports Talk with Carol Evans Sports Director Reggie Wilson and co-host Luke Emmon. Whether it's Twins, Vikings, Wolves, or Wild, Reggie and Luke cover it all with all the breaking news and big-time opinions. Catch the show five days a week by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Now it's time for our new segment, Keep Them or Cut Them. We're going to name off some players. Sam's going to name off some players for me, and I'm going to make the decision. If I'm the GM, if I'm Quasey, put my Quasey hat on, am I going to keep this guy on my roster or am I going to cut him? And let me be... Frank, before we get into this, and let's bring Sam in for this one. Let me be frank. Cutting them does not mean I don't think they're a good athlete or a good fit for this team. It just means that there are so many other pieces to this 53-man puzzle um, that they are not going to make the team. So don't take it as if this guy is just bad. Now, if they are bad, I'm not afraid to say it. But keep them or cut them. Take it away, Sam. All right, good disclaimer. Uh, I've got four names for you. We'll see if we get to them all. I'm going to start you off with a, a forgotten about player who in 2019 was a really important piece of that offense. BC Johnson got replaced by Justin Jefferson in 2020, injured in 2021, one year left on his deal, Ron. Keep him or cut him. Yeah, B.C. Johnson for me, I, I do like this kid. Uh, here's the caveat about this. So B.C. Johnson having the same last name as me, uh, he and I crossed paths a lot during COVID because uh, the way the COVID schedule was set up, you went alphabetically. So it was always B.C. in front of me and then me. And so after like the third time, we kind of figured that out. I'm like, hey, man, what's going on, blah, blah, you know. And uh, so as we're, you know, because hey, here's your time. You have to show up to get your COVID test because we don't want too many people in the trailer. So as BC and I would weekly kind of run into each other on Mondays, um, this was always the big talkers. Like, dude, what happened in the game? What this? The one I'll never forget was the Colts game. And for those that remember the Colts game, that was the bad game Kirk Cousins had with interceptions. Now, one of them, two of them, I think, weren't, or no, one of them wasn't his fault. One was just trying to make something happen at the end of the half, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but the BC Johnson one, he was running a slant versus cover two. 
The problem with what he did was he throttled down and he slowed down, assuming the safety was there and the corner had set back. Well, they looked like they were in the two shell and they shifted. Any Long story short, Kirk Cousins throws as if BC's going to keep coming across his face. BC kind of throttles down, seeing man or zone, or seeing zone. I would have to go back and actually see what, what it was, too, because you don't go with the corner. You go with the safety. So if it's too high, it's zone for the receiver. If it's one high, it's man, and you keep going. Um, because if it's two, then the linebackers there, you're going to get your head knocked off. I do remember there was a guy and there was a window, so I could understand BC's hesitation. There was another one like on third and something against, I think, Jacksonville, maybe or somebody else where he slowed down. And this was, I think, feeling it got hurt. Slows down, kind of pity pat, same thing, hits off his arm instead of running through, letting it catch in his body. Um, those two plays for me stood out because literally after that, he was taking out the game. Um, and after the coach game, for instance, like you said, we never saw BC again. Those mistakes happen. Justin Jefferson just happened to come in and do well. But for BC Johnson, if you look at KJ Osborne, you look at Adam Thielen, you look at uh, Justin Jefferson, those three are locks. Amir Smith-Marset played last year, but I think BC uh, is probably a better uh, overall receiver. I think Smith-Marset gives you a lot on special teams, but BC can learn it. I'm going to keep BC on this roster, though. I think he can be that fifth, sixth receiver. Uh, with this passing game, they're going to go deep. Think about how many receivers the Rams bought in the game during the Super Bowl and the playoffs. I think they're going to go heavy receiver this year, uh, smaller on like maybe the running back tight end side. Yeah, so in my mind, they're keeping six. Um, probably not seven. That's too many. No, Five yeah, no, is no, no. too little. Um, and and it, it is a numbers game. Thielen, Jefferson, Osborne, Locks. I think that um, Amir Smith-Marset, because he's only a second-year receiver, I think you got to play it out for at least one more year. I think he, I think he has to make the team in my mind. Then you've got the, the sneaky rookie, Jalen Naylor. Like, what mm -hmm. do you do with him? Um, I think a lot of times you like to keep these rookie guys, but it's not a guarantee. So yeah. he's going to be competing with BC. Dan Chisena, where does he fit in all this? I, I have been on board with not keeping Chisena because he doesn't offer you much as a receiver. So I'm okay if they cut ties there. Um, so I think he's vying for that, that fifth and sixth spot with Naylor um, and with, with Smith Marset and Blake Prohl too. Remember he got hurt during camp last year, but he was having a good camp. So I think he's in the mix, firmly in the mix to be um, kind of one of, the, one of those depth guys. And he's obviously got to offer you something on special teams too. Yeah. Um, Dan Chisena's speed. Yeah. I think that's the key to keep an eye on, but no, I think you keep BC. Uh, I've got another one for you on defense. A cornerback yep. who we've heard a little bit from here and there uh, mm -hmm. due to injuries, but Harrison Hand. I got to check. Is this year three or four for Hand? I think it's three. I think it's his third year on the team. Um, you drafted a couple corners this year. Is there room for Harrison Hand on this roster? Well, for Harrison Hand, uh, experience out of Temple, they give him three years. Um, so uh, this is then coming up on his fourth year. It is. And this fourth. is, this yeah. is where he stands. So when you look at Harrison hand, um, I think he was suitable for the moment. Meaning, like you said, guys are getting hurt. He was coming out. Now this is gonna be the problem in the past. It was a cornerback heavy team, but in the three, four defense, it changes a little bit because you need more tweener backers because you're now going four backers versus three. And so you're going to have to decide between backers, DNs, D tackles, corners, safeties. Which one do you need more of? What can you get away with? I think Brian Asamoah adds a ton of, like the coaches all like love his speed, his play already. I think that adds a nickel guy 
at 225 pounds. He's, he's, he's about the size of a safety. He can come in and play nickel safety because Cam Bynum can play cornerback. And so I think that's going to be tough for Harrison Hand because now when you look at the way this defense plays out, it's not going to be a true cover two shell, four, three defense. Uh, you're going to have some odd looks. You're going to have some, some move guys. Um, when you're looking at corners, I know Chris Boyd has struggled. So it's going to, I think Chris Boyd, Harrison Hand, those two, that's going to be the deciding factor. Again, this is an all new group. So don't think the guys that have been here are locks. I think Andrew Booth Jr., we know he's good. Cam Dancer is good. Caleb Evans is good. Um, that's three. Then you go down to uh, Patrick Peterson. I think he's good. That's four. You go Shannon Sullivan. That's five. You're at five cornerbacks mm -hmm. already. Now you go to safety. Cam Bynum's good. That's six. Harris or uh, Lewisine, Harrison Smith. That's now eight. So we're at eight DBs, and we only have three safeties. So now I need a ninth safety, as that's my thought. Now, I could be wrong. They might go heavy corner and say Brian Asamoa can be a weird nickel type of guy to come in the box and cover. And I met him, and I talked to him face-to-face, -face and he said that. Like, yeah, I can come down and cover. But you got to look at Josh Metellus. And you got to look at uh, Miles Dorn. So you got those guys as well. And then uh, Mike Brown. So they bought in some guys that are going to fight for this safety spot. So Because I, I don't think you can go with three safeties. You got to go with four. So I think you're going to put it at six corners, four safeties, which leaves Harrison Hand kind of out. Um, that's just my thought. So I'm, I'm cutting Harrison Hand. Yeah, I, I get the feeling they will too. Um, you know, you, they're five or locks. At corner, if they're keeping six, then you got a big competition. You got Ty Smith, Perry Nickerson, um, Chris Boyd, who's played a lot more than hand in his career, not always yep. effectively. Um, I think it could come down to Boyd versus hand to see who gets that spot. And uh, I would probably cut Harrison Hand as well. Yeah. Here's another one for you, Ron Kenny Willickis, second year, check that third year defensive end, hurt one year, came back the next, and it was actually pretty effective. Last year. So does Kenny Willickis have a spot on this defensive line? Uh, ooh, hmm. That's the, when you, so when I saw that come up, I was a little bit like, I'm thrown off by that one. Because again, the three, four to me is it's new. I mean, I, I know exactly what a four, three is. Uh, the three, four is new as far as me deep diving. I haven't deep dived it yet, but when you look at James Lynch, you look at Harrison Phillips, you look at Kenny Willis, uh, Willicks. Um, you look at Janoris Robinson, who's coming back at DN. You look at Asezi, who can play the five technique and the three, he said, um, as well as the wide seven and stand up. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's a tough one though. Man, that is really hard. Um, like for the sake of this, I'm just gonna cut them. I'm gonna say you cut them for this one, and then you probably maybe bring them back because now this new, I don't know how the practice squad works because it's so weird nowadays. Um, but I, because I, I think if you haven't spent two years on it, no matter what year you are, you can be on it. So I'm going to say probably cut, but then put them on the practice squad to see and then see how these other guys that have been here, these veterans, uh, if it pans out, if you need to get them in for some energy, switch it up. But no, I, I'm going to cut them for the sake of that. Yeah, honestly, your practice squad guys these days are basically on your roster. You you yeah. get to call up the two extra ones on game day. You get guys filling in for COVID reasons. Uh, you no longer have to submit them to waivers for the first two times. I mean, it, you're constantly cycling through those practice squad guys that you can easily, I think, sneak them through to that. 
the numbers aren't favorable to Willikis because I think you have to keep Patrick Jones, Janarius Robinson, Odomewo, mm-hmm. um, DJ Wan. Like there, there's probably six defensive linemen that you have to keep automatically at that edge or outside position. So I, I don't feel great about Willikis's chances. Right. One more, one more, uh, real quickly. Troy Die, third year linebacker. Could he be a fit in this three four? Yes, I, I think he can. Uh, simply for the fact of the three four, you do need athletic guys that can move around. Now, um, what he did at Oregon was awesome. Like if you watch him at Oregon, athletically gifted. Uh, this is coming up on his third year, which man, it, it, feel, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. Um, but yeah, coming up on his third year, hasn't done much in those two. Has had some some bright spots here and there. Uh, made some plays. Um, I would love to see him put some gloves on and some wristbands because that that no glove, no no tape, no nothing, just bare arms. Looks like a Madden creative player. Looks like a didn't long have snapper. Yeah, he, every time I, I swear I thought it was the long snapper, but just doesn't looks like a creative player. You had enough, you didn't have enough money uh, to add gloves and wristbands to. Like just just swag it out a little bit. But that's you know I don't know. That's just because it's, it's weird seeing a guy from Oregon not with all the swag, like not with every like. It's just like, man, like he did not fit the mode of what Oregon is about, which is throw everything in the locker on and let's go out there and play some football. Um, but again, when I go to when I go to the linebackers uh, in this three, four, I think there's room for more plus special teams. You're going to see a lot of linebackers on special teams. Uh, Brian Asamoa, he's in there. Uh, Jordan Hicks is in there. Eric Kendricks is in there. Um, and then I think Blake Lynch is in there. You guys, Darius Smith as well. Um the one, and we'll talk about this at some point, but Chaz Surratt for me is the question mark. That's why I think Troy Dye gets in because he's done more than Chaz Surratt. And Chaz Surratt originally was supposed to be that athletic guy they wanted, but not. But in the 4-3, he didn't work. Maybe in this 3-4 as a rush guy, as an athletic guy that can move around, um, maybe. Maybe they find a spot for him on this, you know, if they have some packages. But again, I, I don't see it happening just because there's so many stars. When you talk about names like Daniil Hunters, Darius Smith, I mean, Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks, those stars are going to get 90% to 95%. You know, their goal is 90% of the snaps. So I just don't see a lot of room for extras. I think Brian Asamoa fits in as that fifth linebacker in that grouping uh, that's going to come in in packages, uh, especially when they need to spy the quarterback and do some other stuff. Troy Dye, same thing. I think he's athletic enough to, to give you some spy quarterback stuff. When you think about Josh Allen, you think about Kyler Murray, uh, quarterbacks that could give you fits, Dak Prescott, uh, guys that get out of the pocket and everybody in the stadium screaming like, why isn't nobody paying attention to the quarterback? Well, we have linebackers that can now. And I think Troy Dye and Brian Asamoa are two great pieces for that. Without a do it, for keep them or cut them. Love the segment, Sam. I like that. We're going to do that throughout training camp for sure because I know everybody wants to know what we're thinking. And then, of course, let us know what you're thinking. Make sure you download us on your podcast network. You can go to iHeartMedia's podcast network. You can go to Apple, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, and you can find the Ron Johnson Show and all their clips. But up next, the Daily Three, and we'll be back after that. Now it's time for my favorite part of the show, the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes. Take it away, Sam. You got it. The Minnesota Twins are still rolling. They're playing your Detroit Tigers, who are not putting up a huge fight. But last night, they were pretty scrappy, actually. They came back from a 4-0 deficit, tied the game at four, only for the Twins to walk them off in the ninth on an RBI ground out to shortstop. In and out of the shortstop's glove, Twins get the winning run, win 5-4. to four. So here's the, here's the record, Ron. 26-16, and 16, 10 games over five hundred. Next 11 games are all against the Tigers 
and the Royals. So after these 11, what is the record going to be? After these 11, so I'm going to just go with the Tigers first. I said the Tigers would be 4-1. to one. That's what I said. I said this five-game series would be 4-1. to one. That could have been the one last night. I think this gives them momentum into this sport. Like I said, 4-1. to one. I think the Tigers will get one uh, because it's just a lot. Baseball is, a, is not a game. It's hard to, 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 to sweep. I mean, you can do it in three, but it's tough. Uh, teams figure each other out. Pitchers are hard to, you know, have a whole pitching staff or an entire series. Um, just be lights out. There's always a hiccup. But right now the Twins are showing the bats. I think that's the key. No matter how scrappy a team is, their bats are still working. They're still smart on the base path, and they're aggressive uh, when there's mistakes that are made. I was in Detroit last summer for the Twins-Tigers game. I think the Twins won that one. They did, like, the international rules because it was, like, either a doubleheader or a makeup game. I can't remember what happened, but I know they put a guy at second. Uh, Tigers made a mistake then. I think they dropped, like, a simple infield pop fly. Nobody could figure out where it was at. Uh, Twins win. Um, so when you look at this, I think over this 11, for sure, the Tigers four to one. And then, I mean, I say the next 11, it's bullish, but I think they go eight and three. Like this AL Central is really just handing it over to them. It's not even halfway through the season. So I am scared to really jump on this train, but I think they can go eight and three over this next one. But the biggest key is like, like PJ Fleck always says, and every coach would always say this. One game at a time. The next game is the Detroit Tigers. This is the 0-1 or the 0-0 Detroit Tigers championship game. They got to take the next game as it comes and then not to look too far ahead because now everybody's saying like, oh, man, they're in the playoffs. So, you know, who are they going to play? Is it the Yankees in the first play in? Is it, the, you know, let's hold on, people. They can do it. But eight and three in the next 11 is my opinion. And that would put them at 34 and 19. Not a bad record. All right, the Detroit Lions are scheduled to be the preseason Hard Knocks team on HBO. Love watching mm -hmm. Hard Knocks. But last year, remember, they introduced in-season Hard Knocks. And this year, it's going to be the Arizona Cardinals. So, Ron, which Hard Knocks team is more compelling to you, the Detroit Lions or the Arizona Cardinals? The Lions. I mean, it's the Lions. And, and, and simple for the fact that everybody said how they sucked. And so now you're going to get to see Dan Campbell really put his team together and what he says. You, you're going to see the hard-nosed Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, everybody said he looks like a dollar value. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Bosa. You know, he has that 97 on. He looks like one of the Bosa brothers, but like a, a generic version of him. Um, when, when you think about what they do and, and what the Lions do and, and how, you know, they want to show the city off and how blue-collar really is, um, some of the community stuff they're going to do. Uh, I, I think it's, it's, I'm compelled to see this. I'm compelled to see, and one, because the Vikings, that's, they have to play them twice, but I'm compelled to see, uh, do the players like really take to what he's doing? Does that, does that, you know, yell, rah, 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 does that really happen? And, uh, does that really get the players going? Like, are they on board for what Dan Campbell's trying to get out of them? Uh, the Arizona Cardinals in season, eh, we'll see. Um, I think some of the turmoil with Kyler Murray this preseason, you know, wiping all the Cardinal stuff from his Instagram account. Uh, didn't know if he was going to be a Cardinal. Wasn't happy. Now they bring in uh, Brown at receiver. You got DeAndre Hopkins, who's going to be suspended, and then he's going to be back for week seven or eight or whatever, you know, depending on how that goes. Uh, so there's there's a little bit of intrigue there to, like, is Kyler Murray the guy? Is And then everybody, I put I put Kirk Cousins above Kyler Murray. So, again, I, I am kind of want to see that, like, what what does Kyler Murray do? Is he a leader? Does he does he really seem better, or is Kirk Cousins gonna step his voice up and all of a sudden become this guy this year because Kevin O'Connell's giving him a voice and say, "Hey, the mic's yours. You know, lead this team." 
uh, you know, get some swag about it, but lead the team. Uh, but no, I, I want to see the Lions. I want to see what happens in, in training camp. I want to see, uh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson. Can he change the mindset of this defense with, you know, like I said, sometimes it takes a guy. It takes a guy to really get nasty and gritty and get the rest of the team to follow. Is he that guy? So I want to see. My two cents on this is that there's a lot of pressure on Arizona this year. There's not as much pressure on Detroit. They're not really expected to win. Arizona needs to win for Cliff Kingsbury's sake, uh, for Kyler Murray's sake. So if they're going to be followed in season on HBO and if things mm-hmm. are crumbling, I think that could get very interesting. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going to go with Arizona on this one. All right. This is the topic that has you know taken over your Twitter for the past four <laughs> days. Now the NFL Network has picked up on it, probably because yeah. they saw Shannon Sharp tweeting at you. Correct. Um, they, they post a video, Kyle Brandt, claims that Kirk Cousins is an MVP candidate. I mean, that's music to your ears, isn't it, Ron? Yeah, he called him a dark horse. And uh, we all know dark horses can come and win. Look at look at the Kentucky Derby. Hey, dark horses can win. It only takes a, 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 a simple glimpse of hope, a simple like light to say, hey, there's light at the end of this tunnel. I'm going to keep digging and digging and digging. And so if Kirk Cousins comes out on fire, when you look at those first six games, um, you know, we, we met with the Vikings brass yesterday and we got to hear from from the top guys like Martin Nance, uh, you know, all the way down to, you know, the sales team. And they were talking about this Totem Stadium and how they called the Vikings uh, as they were building the stadium because they wanted to make it. It's not going to be like Wembley. It's not going to be a soccer style stadium. So it's going to have a football field. So now you get Kirk Cousins out there in a football style field field overseas. Then you get Kirk Cousins against the Lions and the Bears. Uh, the Eagles, we'll see. I think it's going to be a, a offensive back and forth with that one. Uh, it's whose defense is going to be able to at least stop somebody. Um, so, And then, uh, you know, again, uh, you have the Packers. So that's going to be a shootout as well. So Kirk Cousins start, and then you have the Dolphins. So Kirk Cousins starting out could have an awesome six game. I mean, if he can get three or four 300-yard games in there to start the season, hey, that light opens up a little bit bigger. And he goes from just M to MV because it's there. Most valuable. Not We don't know what yet, though. Is he the most valuable quarterback to the team? Is he the most valuable person in the locker room? Is he the most valuable father to his family? By week 17, we're going to know if that P has made his way. And he's either the MVP. Who knows? He might get MIP, most improved player. I mean, because if he all of a sudden kills it and has one of those, like, 40 and two seasons where it's 40 touchdowns or two interceptions you know it was qbr because sam says his qbr is great. His qbr goes up because he's oh. making better decisions oh <laughs> man you went there if he's making uh, better decisions qbr goes up <laughs> his passer ratings at 110 hey he could be mip as well so yeah i i think kirk cousins is a dark horse mvp i think he could do it like it's there it's there but that first six is going to be the key. I always break it down. It's going to be a six-game, six-game, six-game season when it comes to this team. So I'm going to look forward to every pocket of six, uh, you know, of what that's going to look like every six weeks, 17 games, 18 weeks. What does each six weeks look like for the Vikings? Yeah, and I, I'm not going to completely disagree with you here because look at some of these quarterbacks that have made Super Bowls before. I like to think of them as once-in-a-blue-moon quarterbacks like Matt Ryan. Jared Goff, Mm -hmm. Joe Flacco, Cam Newton. They put it all together one year. 
where mm-hmm. all the stars aligned. And I think that if you play out Kirk Cousins over 10 different seasons, and this is his eighth year as a starter, it's going to happen at some point if you give him enough time, enough chances to have that type of year. It's not impossible. And if he, he wouldn't have to improve drastically. Uh, I think that Kirk Cousins shows his best self in about, I don't know, half of the games typically. Then he's kind of got medium Kirk, and he's got bad Kirk. If he can have good Kirk, 12, 13, 14 games in the season, we might be looking at a 40 touchdown kind of guy. And then I think the conversation is real. I think a lot has to fall in line. The coach has to be really good. Players have to stay healthy. Offensive line has to protect. Like a lot has to happen. But that, again, is why he's a once in a blue moon quarterback when everything comes together. Well, Kevin O'Connell's got to get it done. Kirk Cousins is going to get it done. That'll do it for us. We're, we got it done today. Uh, I'm Ron Johnson, the host of the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. That's Sam Extra, my producer. Great job today, Sam. I want to thank everybody for downloading and listening to this podcast. Make sure you subscribe, though. Go to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your iHeartMedia, wherever you get your podcast. Please go subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota so you get the daily uploads. Have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.